Hey, 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 yo, 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 desmadre, Patreon supporters. Yo, hijos de su rechingada madre, what's cracking, what's popping? Um, happy quarantine, happy 420, happy um, belated Kwanzaa, what the fuck day is it even? Um, so you guys are in for a real treat this week with this... I don't know exactly what to call this. This isn't technically an official Patreon episode. Um, basically what happened, if I'm being totally honest, is that I wanted to keep talking shit about Bad Bunny. Um, we talked about him on the regular podcast last week, and then I quickly realized that that wasn't enough. I think we spent maybe like 20 minutes. And as it turns out, I have a lot, a lot of shit, a lot of hate to bring up against Señor Conejo, Señor Bad Bunny. Um, his new album, Yo Hago Lo Que Me Da La Gana, is a huge hit. Um, everybody loves it. It got amazing reviews from all the big music sites. It's popular across the fucking globe. It's a huge hit. Arriba Puerto Rico! Um, shout out Latinx Solidarity. Shout out Latinos Shout out reggaeton, um, uh, shaping global American culture. All that shit is dope. Um, but I took a closer look at this album. I went deep into that ass. And And I found some things to hate on because I am basically a typical cis heterosexual mexican-american man who gives their opinion when no one asks for it um so i'm gonna just get right into it i hope you enjoy this um if you like bad bunny you probably won't like this episode um if you don't like bad bunny then you're in for a real nice treat haters unite um so yeah i'm gonna just get right into this shit i'll start with the first track sibel a tu mama that's what this album starts with translates into if i see your mom it sounds even dumber when you translate it into English. Right, so gloves off. Fuck it. I, I thought this was a pretty weak ass song. It's a pretty weak ass way to start an album. In my opinion, what the fuck is this shit? I'm, I'm not a professional audio engineer, obviously, or a musician, but I thought it was pretty obvious how kind of half-assed it, it sounds like. One of those shitty electronic keyboards that like all children have, that all toddlers have. It's like not in tune and you can't, there's only one tone to it. Like no offense to the producers, but this, this is like some weird Al Yankovic. It sounds like a parody. This track has two production credits. It's Sube Loneo and Elikai. Uh, Nail are a Puerto Rican production duo. I was not familiar with them myself, but from what I read, they're a super established reggaeton slash Latin trap production duo who have been basically in the scene for the last decade. They're super legit, you know, shout out to their hustle. I'm sure they have a dope story. I'm sure they got paid out like a motherfucker for their involvement in this album, but I don't know what the fuck happened with this first song. Um, I don't think it's reflective of their sound, of Subiloneo's sound in general. I don't know what the fuck happened here. Um, the other production credit on this song is from someone named Elikai. I legit could not find any information on this producer. I would guess that it's just some young Puerto Rican DJ slash producer that's in Bad Bunny's circle. Um, whatever the case, this shit is really underwhelming. Um, it is worth noting here that Subiloneo, this production duo, have credits on about half the songs on this album. So I think it's fair to say that their style is a major presence throughout. Um, like I said, they are legit producers. All the other songs that they have credits on are much better than this first track. Um, it's not reflective of their sound, like I was saying, um, because this shit is for real like a parody, like Weird Al Yankovic is about to seriously throw down. I'm really sorry to start off so negatively. Um, I, I, I apologize, but on top of the underwhelming production, 
Like, what kind of fucking lyrics are these? The chorus says, If I see your mom, I ask about you to see if you found someone that makes you happy. So, this motherfucker is at the grocery store in the checkout line running into his ex's mom and he's like yo um Ms. Ms. Martinez like what's good with Melinda like you know she she found another dude yet like does he make her happy or like what's good <laughs> that is some awkward I mean I know he's being cheeky I know he's he's kind of being a fucking silly dick or whatever the fuck but like, if my daughter's ex came up to me at Whole Foods and said this, I would have to slap the shit out of him and then immediately call my daughter and be like, yo, you cannot get back with Bad Bunny. This kid is a fucking moron. Um, I know he's rich and famous, but you are forbidden from ever seeing this guy again. <laughs> If you're going to repurpose a classic, you gotta either match that shit or make it better. Um, I'm sure you all notice the shitty little keyboard riff in the back of this song. It's supposed to be a rendition of Girl from Ipanema. Obviously, that song is a fucking timeless work of art. It's, um, how do I put it? It's like, it's slicker than come on a dolphin's back. Shout out to Roman Connor from Secession. So you go from this, right, the famous Stan Getz version, to this. I mean, come on, dude, show a little respect to a classic Bad Bunny. What the fuck? Um, I said Stan Getz version um, because this, I don't know if you knew this, is not technically like the original version of Garotate Ipanema. Um, you may not have known like the original version of this song was actually first recorded by Perry Ribeiro who's, like, another popular bossa nova and, like, jazz artist. Like, don't know if you knew that. Um, this song was, like, technically, like, created by um, Antonio Carlos Jobim and Vinicius de Moraes in 1962. Um, I didn't know all of this until I opened up a shitload of Wikipedia tabs and did, like, the bare minimum research on all this shit. But, hey, this is the Desmadre Patreon experience, alright? So, hope you're enjoying this. Um, so, Antonio Carlos Jobim wrote the music and Vinicius de Moraes wrote the lyrics. I want to say that Vinicius de Moraes is not as famous as Antonio Carlos Jobim. Basically to people, to American dumbasses like myself who are not cultured, don't know who the fuck Vinicius de Moraes is. Um, but he's someone to look into for sure. He seemed like an incredibly talented writer and artist. I mean, he wrote the, the original lyrics, this shit. Look at what a most beautiful thing of grace fucking starts. Epic as fuck. It's the girl who comes and passes. Girl with a golden body. From sun, from the sun of Ipanema, your balance is more than a poem. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. If she knew that when she passes, the smiling world is filled with grace. That is fucking beautiful. The song, the original, is basically about a dude on a beach 
who sees a really fine Brazilian woman walk by him and it triggers both an existential crisis and like a moment of bliss and appreciation for life. He's like, God exists because this incredibly fine Brazilian woman just passed by me and I and I recognize God's design. So yeah, to recap, Antonio Carlos Jobim wrote the music, Vinicius de Moraes wrote the lyrics in 1962. Betty Ribeiro recorded it that same year for the first time. And then Stan Getz did probably the best, most popular version in 1964. Um, since then, it's been done a fucking thousand times by God knows how many artists. Cut to 2020 and fucking Bad Bunny opens up his album with this whack-off rendition of it. Um, the point I'm trying to make, I guess, is that this song does have like a lot of dope history to it. And... For Bad Bunny to reference it in this kind of jack-off way is not very cool in my opinion. You know, like, what am I missing here? Like, a lot of people I think will say something like, um, you can't read into it that much, he's just trying to have fun, but at the same time, there's like so little effort on on Bad Bunny's part in terms of the lyrics, and unfortunately this is true of most of the album in my opinion. There is a very obvious lack of poetry in the lyrics. I'm not trying to sound like a pretentious asshole, even though I am a pretentious asshole. Um, But what the fuck he says, I don't know why I lied to myself saying that I forgot you when I miss you. I only share memes. I don't post anything else. I didn't erase your photo. I put it on private. Those are more or less word for word the exact lyrics in this song i'm not making this shit up i will admit that i laughed my ass off when i heard this fool say i only share memes now like that's how devastated bad bunny is over this relationship and i guess he's still fucking talking to the to the mom at the grocery store in this whole song he's just kind of like spilling his guts he's so depressed He's only sharing memes on the grams. Oh, and by the way, in case your daughter's wondering, that photo of us that used to be on my Instagram, like, I actually put it on private, so if we ever get together again, I can just change the settings on the photo, and it'll just be back on my Instagram. Back on my Instagram. Um, so all that to say I wasn't feeling the song I listened to this about seven or eight times probably for research on this podcast for you all and I think it's safe to say that I will never in my life listen to this song ever again all right so moving on um, that was just track one barely getting started with this shit um so i'm gonna speed things up by skimming the next two songs because they are equally as basic and superficial as the first one the production is much better uh, both of them are co-produced by subelo neo but the lyrical content like i said really brings a lot of these songs down for me there's just so little effort put forth um la difícil and pero ya no Um, I feel bad for talking so negatively about Bad Bunny. I I really do. Like, he's a young Puerto Rican dude. He's a superstar. He's a really talented performer and entertainer. I respect his hustle to a certain degree. But these two songs, these first three songs are just fluff. They're just completely filler tracks. I think that's the nicest way of putting it. There's just nothing beneath the surface. Like, not every song has to be a fucking timeless piece of art. It doesn't have to be Moby Dick and shit. I get it. But this is the exact opposite. It's like just no effort put whatsoever into the lyrics. Track two, La Difícil, the difficult one. So, like I said, all this shit is very literal. It's it's a difficult, a generic, basically a generic girl who's playing hard to get. Uh, Bad Bunny wants to have sex with her, but oh no, she's making it literally difficult, difícil, la difícil for him to do so. Um, track three, pero ya no. Um, but not anymore. I think this shit is in contention for worst song on the album. The lyrics are terrible. What kind of chorus is I used to love you, but not anymore? over and over that that's that's the theme of the song like i used to love you pero ya no 
but not anymore. Um, well over half the songs on this album revolve around how horny Bad Bunny is, basically. Um, it's like a story about a girl that he has had sex with, that he wants to have sex with, that he misses having sex with. It's the same kind of shit that The Weeknd talks about, but repeated in the most generic way possible. Um, obviously, there's nothing wrong with dedicating a whole album to love, to lust, to sex. Uh, my issue is more with just how consistently generic and stereotypical these topics are addressed throughout the album. So yeah, like I said, the first three tracks um, probably never listened to ever again in my life. All right, so moving on to track four, La Santa. Basically, the premise of this song is that a promiscuous girl who Bad Bunny fucks is on his fuck Rolodex. Uh, she wants to be more serious with Bad Bunny, and you might have guessed it, he doesn't want to commit. She is not a saint, and neither is he. Lyrically, this track is pretty much in line with the previous three songs. It's basically a different girl that Bad Bunny is horny for. Um, the only difference is that this song features the legend Daddy Yankee. Daddy Yankee is obviously a huge reggaeton pop star. And Tiny is another reggaeton producer, pioneer, who's been around for like the last 15 years, creating music with all the big reggaeton and Latin trap artists. Um, there's actually a really cool Rolling Stone article about this producer uh, that was written a few years ago. I'll add it to the description, um, but it's titled How Puerto Rican Producer Tiny Became an Architect of Modern Reggaeton. Um, yeah, it's important to note that Tiny was the executive producer for Bad Bunny's last album, Por Siempre. Um, this dude's like huge. He basically like co-produced I Like It, Cardi B's I Like It. He has like two Latin Grammys for this throwback. <laughs> 2009's Abusadora by Wisin Yandel from the album Revolución. Um, so yeah, Daddy Yankee's a legend. He's obviously a professional. So his his performance on this track is really well executed. He's a great performer. His lyrics are more mature than Bad Bunny's, um, even on this short little verse. Um, but yeah, it's just very clean, straightforward performance from Daddy Yankee. I would have honestly, if I was in the room with Bad Bunny and the producers to this album, I would have said, yo, fuck the first three songs. That shit is trash. And just let's start with this one with Daddy Yankee and Tiny. This thing slaps. Those other three songs are kind of trash. Let's trust me here. Okay. And then Bad Bunny would have been like, hey, Sammy, tu sabe que eso es una buena idea, coño. Um, so yeah, if anyone happens to know any connects in the Bad Bunny circle, then let them know. I'm, I'm available for, for consulting. Track 5, Yo Perreo Sola, I Grind Alone, I Freak Myself. No one can deny, not even my hating ass, that this song is catchy as hell. It's definitely one of the standouts. Um, this is basically one of four songs that I like on this album, out of a total of 20. Um, the more I listen to this shit, I, I realize that this project should have been like a four or five song EP. Scale the shit back and fuck the other 15 or 16 tracks. Um, they're kind of trash. Like I said, Bad Bunny, hit your boy up. Um, so yeah, on top of the production being really catchy on Yo Perreo Sola, 
I think this song also has a much more interesting premise than the first four tracks. Um, I think part of the reason that the song is so popular is because it basically presents this sort of like pro-independent woman theme. Like women do not need validation from anyone. They can be confident and powerful by themselves. They can grind by themselves. They don't need no man. And so, yeah, that's obviously a good message to put out there. Um, as a song, like I said, it's very catchy. It's produced by Tiny and Subelonel and Bad Bunny. Um, he gets a production credit as well. Um, I bet you the real producers always get pissed off when artists try to get a production credit. Like Bad Bunny was probably just happened to be in the studio when this shit was being made. And he's like, yo, pon mi nombre en esa, en esa, en esa vaina, coño. Um, but yeah, the instrumentation is wildly catchy. Um, it's one that has gone more viral, I feel like, in part because of the sound and obviously the video. We talked about this on the regular podcast. Um, I basically think that Bad Bunny dressed up as a woman more for clout than he did as like a sign of solidarity to the trans community. Um, this is just my narrow cis hetero mexican-american viewpoint i am sad to say um but basically like there's nothing explicitly pro-trans in this song lyrics and that is what's confusing to me um it's actually more of the same kind of shit that the other tracks fall back to that basically this figurative independent woman is another object of bad bunny's sexual desire heterosexual desire i might add um, but anyways, I'm obviously thinking into this way too much. I should just shut the fuck up. Um, I just think that he dressed up as a woman for this video because it's shocking. And more importantly, because he knew that Sammy, me from this Madre, would discuss it at length on this episode of the Patreon podcast. The one argument I think is valid about a video like this is that it does normalize um, trans culture, I guess, to the mainstream audience in a very superficial way. Um, if this is the door that opens up the idea of men, of Latino men dressing as women to the mainstream as something normal, then that's dope. It just would have been nice to have had something a little more dense or impactful material to go with it. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I pretty much said my piece on the regular podcast. This song's catchy. I'm going to keep listening to it. I'm a fucking hypocrite. Track 6, Bichillal. Co-produced by Subelonel, once again. And Nesty. This vato's real Nesty. Um, Nesty is another super established reggaeton uh, producer. Um, I read that he basically got super famous in the mid-2000s and that he's produced tracks for all the big reggaeton artists. Um, he's known for working closely with Wisin and Yandel. Uh, he's produced a lot of their albums. I don't know if you guys remember this track right here. Sexy Movimiento has uh, Nesty has a this producer has a production credit on this classic right here. Shout out to motherfucking 2008 up in this bitch. Um, so yeah, this song basically came out around the time I graduated high school. Um, that's I think a good point for context. This song Sexy Movimiento came out in 2007 at a time when reggaeton was really exploding for the first time. And now in 2020, 12, 13 years later, reggaeton is fully part of the American mainstream and beyond. Um, so that I feel like is the big blatant silver lining to this album. I know I'm hating on it, um, but Bad Bunny's album, this album is a testament to this fact. 
that basically Puerto Ricans, Latinos, that an all Spanish album is a reflection of modern American culture. That is really dope. I don't want that point to be lost in my sea of hate. Um, my beef is more basically that the album kind of feels dialed in like a generic pop album um, in a lot of places. Um, but then again, what the fuck do I know? All right. Being or being predictable isn't a bad thing. Um, it just kind of feels like I said, like a fucking manufactured pop album. Whoa, man. Whoa, man. Like, why can't they just take more creative risks? You know, like more avant-garde type of. So yeah. Anyways, um, back to Bichiyal. Um, the instrumentation is really dope. Um, it also has. Um, like the track before it, a much more interesting concept to it. Um, even though it's kind of this, it resorts to the same kind of shit that I've been describing, just another woman on Bad Bunny's fuck radar. Um, apparently there is a deeper meaning to this song. I never would have figured this shit out had it not been for this really interesting and really well-written piece by Francis Sola Santiago. On NPR, the article is titled The Class's History Behind Bad Bunny's Bichiyal. I will also add this link to the description. Please read it. It was super interesting. I really recommend it. The writer basically gives like some really dope insight into the context, into like the actual linguistics of Bichiyal and how it's been used throughout the last like 15 years within reggaeton and Puerto Rican culture. Um, so yeah, it's basically bichiyal is a combination of two Puerto Rican slang words, bicha and yal. Uh, bicha is pretty straightforward. It's basically a version of the word bitch, to my understanding, and you more or less say it in the same way that you do in English, but just, I guess, in a wacky Puerto Rican way, like, what up, bicha? Um, that was awful. Um, so, um, but also important... That the writer points out is basically that it's used to describe a snobby woman from an upper from an upper class background so like a bougie ass bitch i think is a good way of putting it so bicha and then the other word is yal which means girl in patois but as slang it's the opposite of a bougie bitch and it's basically like a ratchet chick from the ghetto so Bichiyal is basically a woman who is both a little bougie and a little ratchet. Um, I'm going to read a small section of this article because it really is super well written. And it describes why ultimately this concept that Bad Bunny technically, I guess, came up with for this song, this Bichiyal woman, kind of falls flat. Um, so yeah, this is a paraphrasing of a grad student named Veronica Diaz. Um, that was interviewed for this article, so make of that what you will. All right, so, quote, In Bichiyal, Bad Bunny tries to introduce a new type of woman, one that exists in the in-between of the Bicha and the Yal. She races banshees on the weekends, while she also spends hours doing her makeup before going out. Introducing a term like this one is an attempt to go back to the roots of reggaeton by celebrating women from the barrio. The mission fails. Instead of saluting these women, Bad Bunny romanticizes the lives of one of the most vulnerable populations in Puerto Rico. It's making the term bichial cool for women who live in privileged positions or have never experienced the discrimination that comes with fitting the profile of a yal. These are women who are the most impacted by the economic crisis, by Hurricane Maria, by the earthquake, by femicide crisis. And other women online agree. The women using the term bichial now would not hesitate to think less of yals in real life, tweeted Patricia Velasquez, co-founder of the Hasta Abajo Project, a trans I think women want the title now without knowing what real life yals go through. They want to appropriate from a privileged position, replied one follower. So yeah, this article basically ruined this song for me. So thank you for that, for keeping me woke, for keeping me awake to all this shit i'm fucking around i'm completely full of shit i'm a hypocrite i'm gonna probably listen to this song in the future unironically in a way that makes me feel cool um but basically yeah it's like as catchy as this song is it's basically still part of the same weak thematic structure that all the other songs have that i keep bringing up and it's basically this bichial whatever the fucking historical cultural 
um, classist context that there is behind Bichiyal, quote unquote, it doesn't matter because Bad Bunny is going to smash, bruh. No matter what, he's going to smash, all right? It doesn't matter because he's going to smash the Bichiyal in this song, and then he's going to smash the borderline alcoholic in the next one, and then he's going to try and get a girl to do anal, and etc., etc., um, but basically, I do agree with the criticism presented in this article, which is that rich, bougie people appropriate ghetto culture for decoration. Um, people basically like to act ghetto for looks and credibility, but they don't actually have to worry about the struggles from this experience, like economic inequality, racism, classism, police brutality. Um, and yeah, so this is basically one of the main criticisms against a huge pop star like Bad Bunny. Um, do they appropriate black slash urban slash gang culture for their credibility? Um, and not so much as a sign of solidarity to the people that make up these communities. Um, so, you know, there are artists who are much more guilty of appropriation, in my opinion, of just like not giving a fuck like straight up offensive like blatant appropriate appropriation like Iggy Azalea or Bad Baby like to those are like some of the worst I think like I don't think Bad Bunny is on that level I don't think his intentions are generally malicious in any way uh from my understanding Bad Bunny's dad was a truck driver and his mom was a teacher so that's very normal humble working class beginnings there's obviously nothing wrong with that that's actually pretty fucking dope but as far as his like persona now and the things he chooses to sing about and particularly in this album is like i'm saying these very generic sex tales <laughs> with a flair of appropriation um because like legit like 15 songs on this album are these generic sex stories that i'm talking about and then the last, like, fourth of the album are, like, these basic Latin trap songs. Um, so that's what I mean when I say sex stories with a flair of appropriation. Um, but yeah, back to Bichial. The song is catchy as hell. I'm gonna listen to it. After all that bullshit, my hypocritical ass is still gonna fucking slap this. So definitely check out that article that I mentioned and don't let it ruin this song because it slaps all right so moving on i'm gonna speed things up here a little bit by skimming the next seven tracks they are more of the same shit i'm just gonna repeat myself if i fucking break these things down i do feel bad for skimming over the tracks with the features because like the ones on the first half of the album i think the tracks with features are definitely better than the ones without um, this album is being praised for having like good features and that is true in basically the most traditional sense possible. There's like a mixture of OG and new reggaeton artists throughout the album and they all more or less provide well executed performances. Um, Daddy Yankee, Yavia, Nyengo Flow, Joali Randi, Arcangel, the old school reggaetoneros and then the new school ones. Anuel AA. Sec Mora, Mike Towers, Kendo Caponi, Duki, and Pablo Chili. Um, so yeah, if you like reggaeton, then you will enjoy the seven tracks in the middle of this album. They're not unpleasant necessarily, but for me, they're just like like a variation of the last six tracks. It's just like more of the same shit. So track seven, Solia, produced by Subiloneo, Demi and Clips, and Mora. It's basically bad bunny is telling this girl to tell her boyfriend not to leave her alone because sh she could be lost to bad bunny again no matter what kind of girl it is no matter what point in a relationship they might be it doesn't matter bad bunny is there and he is going to smash bruh all right he's horny and these chicks will all have sex with him uh, track eight, La Zona. Um, this is the premise of this, the zone. Bad Bunny wants to grind the zone of a confident woman. That's the point of this song. And this is what I mean when all of this shit is so fucking literal. 
the zone. Like he literally wants to grind the zone. Uh, track nine, que malo. Um, how bad, how nasty, how scandalous. Um, this features an OG reggaetonero and Yango flow. He's legit, he's established, he's a good performer, blah, blah, blah. Um, but this song is basically about hooking up with a woman who is taken. Hmm, funny, scandalous. Um, there's no subtlety. Like I keep saying, the chorus says, I liked giving it to you, knowing that it wasn't mine and that it was his. Track 10, Vete, uh, Leave, um, also produced by Subiloneo and, and Asen. I don't know who that is. Uh, but basically, Leave, track 10, is Bad Money's asking an ex-lover of his to leave. Their history is dead. This song was actually the lead single for the whole album. It was the, the first song that, that he released back in November of last year, of 2019. So I guess it's worth mentioning for that reason. Um, but like I said, it, it sounds perfectly fine. These lyrics, though, like, Leave, no one can stand you. The door is open. Don't worry about us. Our history is dead. I just realized that this shit, this album, is basically a corny novella, like a TV soap opera. That's what this shit is. It's just like like 15 like generic-ass episodes of a novella, and then five really good ones, four or five like really good ones. Um, that is a compliment in my own weird way. Track 11, Ignorantes. This was actually the second single from the album. Um, it came out, are you ready for this? on Valentine's Day, February 14th of this year, and it features Panamanian singer Sec, um, Carlos Morales. Um, so this song, now that I listen to it again, is actually pretty solid. On its own, as like a second single, it's exciting. The production is really clean. It features an up-and-coming Panamanian dope artist, Sec. But as the 11th song on the album, it kind of blends a little too much with the rest of the shit on here. Uh, maybe not so much from a production standpoint, but the lyrics for sure. The song is about lovers being ignorantes, ignorant. The chorus says, I don't know why we broke up. If you love me and I love you, it's normal when we fight, but it feels good when we fuck. You see what I'm saying here? It's like like teen novella drama shit. It's like Degrassi, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Track 12, yeah. A Tu Merced, At Your Mercy, another track co-produced by Subiloneo. Um, this song is catchy as hell. It's not a bad song. I apologize for not paying it more attention and claiming that it's basically more generic crap. Um, but this song is about a girl who is so fine and mysterious that Bad Bunny is at tu merced, is at her mercy. And it's a blonde woman, I might add. You know, I think that is worth mentioning. Verse 2, quote, I want to pull that blonde hair of yours and give it to you on all fours on July 4th. This is the kind of lazy songwriting that I am talking about. Yes, I laughed my ass off when I heard that for the first time. But as I sit and think about it and think about um, all the amazing reggaeton and hip hop uh, lyricism that exists, what the fuck is this? 
what the fuck does july 4th have to do with this song at all what the so like i'm just realizing that it i think it is a white woman like a blonde white woman because if he's saying july 4th then it's 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 america <sighs> fucking it. All right, track 13, Una Vez, One Time. Another very catchy track with a solid feature. Mora is a new school reggaetonero. And I want to say again that the production throughout this album, minus maybe the first song, is all really well made. I'm not knocking the quality of the production, and I admit that I don't know shit about reggaeton to make any of the fucking sort of claims that I've been making this entire fucking episode. Um, but, uh, like all pop music, basically this shit just starts to sound really generic and manufactured. Um, so there is quality in the track. It sounds super professional, but you know, it just sounds like the thousands of other reggaeton pop songs that are out right now. Um, so, you know, you know, not to hate, but you know, fucking a, if you, if you like reggaeton, you're going to enjoy this shit. Um, it just sucks to see a genre that has this really dope history of being like rebellious and underground lose its originality to mainstream generic crap, man. Whoa, man. Whoa, man. So yeah, basically this song is about wanting to have sex with a woman una vez one more time before she goes back to her boyfriend. The chorus literally says, let me feel you one more time in case I don't see you again. I'll go back to my life, and you can do the same with him. Puerto Rican Days of Our Lives. Track 14, Safaera. This is by far the best track on the album. This shit is amazing. It has great features, amazing production. So to me, it is for sure the standout of the entire album. Uh, Joel Randi and Yango Flow, the features, they deliver some really hilarious and really catchy verses and choruses. They do a fucking really dope job. Um, I think what takes this track over the top as well is the production. This song definitely took the most risks, I felt, like more than anything else on the album. There's so much packed in here. There's like old school, new school, reggaeton, dance hall dubstep hip-hop it was like honestly on the edge of being too jumbled like they he they tried to cram too much in but they don't and it is fucking really well executed um this was produced by tiny the guy who i mentioned earlier who's a reggaetonero production legend and dj orma um orma is a young puerto rican dj and he's bad bunny's official dj apparently so yeah, all that to say, the production is absolutely fucking killer. Um, one interesting note that I saw about the song structure is that Bad Bunny doesn't really come in in this song until like almost like three minutes in. Uh, he does a chorus earlier in the song, but he doesn't really take over um, until the fourth verse, like three minutes in. And he, that's when he delivers his now famous and viral line. If your boyfriend doesn't eat eat ass, I will. Um, so I think that might be why the song is so good is because there's less of Bad Bunny in it than the others. Um, so yeah, even my hating ass cannot deny this song. Um, this project, like I said earlier, could have been like four or five songs long, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, and it would have been a better project as a whole. But, you know, that is my completely unfounded, non-professional assessment of this album. 
Um, I have the same criticism about the lyrics in this song as I do for all the other tracks. Safaera, in my interpretation, is basically a woman whose pussy game is out of control. Like, she doesn't wear panties at the club. Uh, she's more of a slut than Betty Boop, apparently. Her titties are bigger than Lourdes Chacon, and her ass is big like Iris Chacon. Uh, she takes pills that make her horny, blah, blah, blah. So it's the same kind of shit on the rest of the album. But when the beat is this fire, you can pretty much rap or sing anything you want and it'll sound fucking dope. So make what you want about the lyrics. The beat slaps. There was a few Mexicanisms, Mexicanismos that were used. Uh, in Bad Bunny's verse, he says, Se metió una pepa que la pone cachonda. She, put, she took a pill that makes her horny. Chinga en el Audi and no en lo onda. She fucks in Audis, not in Hondas. So I think the use of the word chinga there is a Mexicanism that I don't think other Latinos use. Well, now they do because of the culture. And then right after that, he says, Si tu novio no te mama el culo, pa eso que no mame. If your boyfriend doesn't eat ass, que no mame. Tell him to get out of here with that. Um, so yeah, que no mame. I don't think Puerto Ricans use it in that way. So it's a little small Mexicanism. We need Latinx solidarity. Um, so Bad Bunny is doing this by using Mexican slang here in this section when he's talking about eating your girlfriend's ass. So shout out to Bad Bunny. Um, thanks for inducing a little bit of Mexicanidad in this really important section of the album. Um, all right, so moving along, we're almost fucking done here. Thank you for your patience. If you are still listening, legit, God bless you. Happy belated Easter. Um, I'm going to basically just skim the rest of the tracks. Um, I, I said this earlier, I think, but I think the last fourth of the album in my opinion, is more generic. But this time, it's Latin trap, and it doesn't really stand out. It's well made, and I you'll enjoy it if you want to hear this shit, but track 15, 25, 8, 25.8. I think this deserves a little more attention than I'm leading on. Because it basically marks a transition into like the Latin trap section of the album. Uh, songs 15 through 20 are basically Latin trap. Uh, they're not reggaeton, they switch over. And so 25, this, this song, 25 Ocho, is the first one in the bunch. Again, it's catchy, it's well done. Um, but if I'm being real, if I am being gloves off, fuck it, mask off. Uh, it's just like a generic flex song. He's hustling 25 hours a day, 8 days a week, 25-8. He's gone beyond 24-7. That's fucking crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is what I what I mean when I said the album can be summarized as stories about excessive sex with a flair of appropriation. In the course of this song, he's saying, I like the streets. I'm 25-8 ready. Um, like, like you, you're, you like the streets, Bad Bunny? Like, what about the streets do you like? I'm just going to shut the fuck up. This is a perfectly enjoyable track. It's a very generic land trap, but yeah, it sounds cool. I'm... Track 16. Está cabrón ser yo. It's hard being me. 
I would say is just another generic flex song, this time with Anuel AA. When we're all off quarantine and listening to it at the club, people are going to go crazy for it. Um, but there's just, you know, at this point, like thousands of other trap songs. And this doesn't just, this just does not really stand out to me. Um, I think I'm biased because I really don't like this dude, Anuel AA. This motherfucker rubs me the wrong way for sure. He's way less likable than Bad Bunny. Um, if Bad Bunny is Drake, then Anuel AA is kind of like Ja Rule, in my opinion. He's like the, the modern day Ja Rule. <laughs> Track 17, Puesto Baguerreal, Ready for War. It's the most fake gangster shit on this whole album. Really, Bad Bunny, you're ready for war? Um, I feel bad again for skipping the feature here. Mike Towers, another young Puerto Rican trap artist. Shout out to him. He got paid out, yada, yada, yada. Um, but this is really generic. Like more so than a lot of the other tracks. Um, this might be another track on the worst of list, I'm sad to say. Uh, the beat feels like like a Kendrick Lamar ripoff, to be honest. When I first heard this song, it reminded me of Kendrick's Untitled album from 2016. So yeah, like I said, the last fourth of this album really does suffer from like generic hip-hop trap shit. Um, but this song in particular feels more half-assed than the others. Um, it just sounds like they needed another song to fill the album, and the producer was like, "Yo, I just listened to this Kendrick song. Let's just let's just do a really generic song about being ready for war." Track 18, Be Fucking R, Puerto Fucking Rico, bro. This song is basically a love letter to Puerto Rico. It features Kendo Caponi and Archangel, Archangel, who are two really famous reggaetoneros. So if you're Puerto Rican, I can see how you would want to play this song how it could bring potentially feelings of, of pride and hype at, at Puerto Rico's very own Bad Bunny turning up. That's dope. But I cannot take Bad Bunny seriously when he's acting gangster, um, which he does a little bit in this song as well. Um, but apparently Kendo Caponi, one of the guys, the features on here, he is a bit of a legit bad boy I was reading. He had a rough upbringing and grew up in foster care in Puerto Rico. And this dude has been in and out of prison since he was a kid. Like literally like two years ago, he went to prison for attacking a barber with a metal pipe. What the fuck? And but even that crazy story doesn't make the track better for me. Like he he does a great job and so does Arcangel. But again, there's more of the same generic like hip-hop, I'm a badass kind of shit, and it doesn't really stand out to me. Track 19, Hablamos Mañana, We Will Talk Tomorrow. This is, to me, another very obvious throwaway filler track. Um, the chorus and the title of the song is literally, We Will Talk Tomorrow. Um, I don't, I do what I want, I don't know what your name is, we'll talk tomorrow. It features two young Latin traperos, Duki and Pablo Chili. Shout out to them once again for the hustle, fucking cashing out on this shit, getting their name out there. But this shit is weak as fuck to me. The last chorus made me laugh out loud. Um, it's done. They did it like in a pop punk kind of way. Um, I, they must have been listening to like Yellow Card right beforehand and were like, yo, tenemos que hacer un poquito de en esta canción, mi hermano, un pop punk, meterlo así va a estar bien, bien hype. Uh, track 20, the last motherfucking track, 
I'm gonna rush this shit just like Bad Bunny rushed the the end of his album because I'm realizing that I'm just full of hate. Last track, track number twenty, the heart symbol. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. I don't you you guessed it. I don't like this song. It's a completely harmless song. It's actually pretty endearing. Gracias a todo el que cree en mí Desde el primer día Desde antes que saliera Con una compañía He's thanking his fans for for his true fans for always being with him from the start. But this is for sure another song that I will never in my life listen to willingly. If you're a Bad Bunny fan and you're like 15 years old, then this track is probably like the coolest shit ever. But as an adult, I don't see how you could play this song and enjoy it in any serious way. Um, this is another track that was co-produced by Tiny, the legendary reggaeton producer I brought up. And again, it's not bad. It's clean, professionally done. It's just underwhelming. I would be genuinely surprised if more than 30 minutes was spent putting this track together. It's like a very generic guitar riff, a really simple drum beat. There's some harp in there in the middle, but it just feels so dialed in. I'm I'm sorry to say that I just don't like this song. The non-hater approach would be to say that this this is really dope that he shouts out his fans and that he dedica- dedicates a whole track to them on this album. So, yeah, fucking A. Go bad bunny. Definitely rushed the last part of this, the last five songs. I didn't um, pay the amount of attention that they deserve. I called it generic Latin trap. Please forgive me. Please. I know not what I say. Um, But goddamn, this episode did take me much longer to record and edit than I'm willing to admit. Uh, Was it worth it? Probably not. Was anything new learned? Definitely not. Um, but I actually really enjoyed doing this. I do have a strange fascination with Bad Bunny and this album. So it was interesting to find out more about him and reggaeton in general. I think that's what makes my attempt to criticize this album completely invalid at the end of the day. I don't know shit about reggaeton. Um, a lot of it probably went over my head. But what are you going to do? These are the effects of the quarantine. I'm not thinking straight. Um, I am basically, like I said earlier, a typical cis hetero Mexican American male um, that got the idea to give my opinion that no one asked for in podcast format. Um, But one element that I did not touch on, uh, I'm realizing, is the visual element of the album. I discussed the video for Yo Perreo Sola, but not any of the other ones, and a lot of the songs do have music videos. Bichillal, Hablamos Mañana, Si Veo Tu Mamá, Pero Ya No. They all have videos. I guess I mainly wanted to focus on the lyrical, conceptual element elements of the songs and the album as a whole, so I didn't go into the videos for that reason. Um, to me, the videos are more or less exactly like the songs. They're well made. They look like professional music, professional music videos, but it's nothing super exciting or new as far as music video goes. Um, yeah, I guess I'll cut it off there. I hate to end with hate, but that was, that's just, that's just my vibe right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, Bad Bunny, he, he ended it at his album with a heart symbol. So I'm going to end this episode with a hate emoji. If this this last outro here had a had a track name, it would be a hate emoji, like the pissed off face. Um, <laughs> so if you made it to the end here and you're legitimately still listening, thank you. You are a motherfucking trooper. Um, we hate Bad Bunny together. Except I don't really hate him. Only some parts. Some songs were dope. It's complicated. You know, that's what ultimately I wanted to bring across. Was how complicated human beings are. And in the context 
of Latinx solidarity and the influence of reggaeton music in American pop culture. Okay, I'm going to shut the fuck up now. Um, But if you actually uh, enjoy this approach, let me know uh, what other maybe album or movie or TV show this would be good to do with myself and my cousin. Um, Because our hate knows no bounds. You know, most people in the Latino, Latinx community, they hold up and they uplift a voice like Bad Bunny's. They're like, buen trabajo, hermano. Solidaridad en el movimiento. But not us, okay? We're here to provide some jack-off type of observations into the mix. And that is what this one is. And that is what this Patreon experience is, too. Um, I'm seriously losing it. I, I legitimately zoned out like 30 seconds ago. So I cannot account for what the fuck I just said. Thank you for listening. We appreciate this, the support. And we will see you later this week with the regular podcast episode. Thank you and God bless. Y'all